Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell, along here with co-host Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. How are you doing today, Kurt? I'm doing well. Good. How are you doing, bro? I'm doing very well. We're here. We're upright. All the kids are good. And You're vertical. And yes. And I had, this morning I had a, at 445, I had my nine-month-old. <laughs> oh, my god! Right? So it's like I hear, it wasn't a cry. It was kind of like, hey, I'm here like thing and I'm like waking up I'm going oh okay so I stumble in there and there he is he's like wobbling like he's standing on his thing and he looks at me and gives this big goofy grin like look at me standing here right I'm like at 445 oh, okay. I'm like okay buddy this dude is you gotta love right. it I know so so yeah so it's what it's it's welcome to our life right it's just the, the sweet moments that you'll you'll forget and uh you know today we're, we're talking if you're just joining us by the way this is Solid Steps Radio we're a show for men by men um, the ladies listen and we thank you for that but our main audience is guys and we say hey guys how do we address life as fathers, as husbands, as employers, as employees, as neighbors, as as just people on this journey of, of life? And we believe that you are not fulfilling your destiny and walking in your destiny if you are not walking with God through Jesus Christ. We believe that that is part of your destiny as a man to be fulfilled in your manhood. Uh, and uh, we, we, we want to be a voice uh, for you of truth. And not that we have the answers, but we talk about the one who does. So. All that being said, we're talking about a topic today that no one wants to talk about. Uh, it's a topic that doesn't get talked about much. You don't hear a lot of sermons preached about it. You will uh, not hear a lot of in-depth conversation about what we're talking about today, which is why we want to talk about it, because we're going to talk about a topic today that everyone in their life will experience, but wants to stay away from, if at all possible, and that's called grief. And when I say that word, you immediately think of someone's died and we're at the funeral home and the grief is over tomorrow after the funeral. And grief looks, smells, sounds a whole lot different than just that. And we're going to talk about, uh, we always jokingly say we have the expert in here today and uh, we've got an expert who he, 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 in essence, does grief as, and I don't want to say as a career, but a calling. His calling mm -hmm. is to walk along, alongside people who are experiencing grief, and how can we as men, fathers, husbands, uh, co-workers, friends, how can we help gr people grieve better? You know, Chad, um, I, the, the truth is, yeah, I mean, we all are going to be what we're talking about here. Mm. And I, I, remember, I remember years ago, we were studying the book of Genesis, and I got to the point, and, and uh, this is right after Bob Russell had uh, retired from Southeast, so this is like 12 years ago. And uh, I asked Bob to come back to our Saturday morning men's Bible study. And it was what we were going through the life of Abraham. Was gonna, Sarah dies and Abraham dies. And there's just people who are dying. And I said, hey, Bob, let's, let's, let's plan on you coming back. And we're going to put you in a coffin. And we're going to bring in the coffin. Do you remember this? Mm -hmm. And we brought wow. the coffin in. And we had the pallbearers there. And, and I and, uh, had the funeral uh, <laughs> the funeral expert. Oh, my wow. goodness. Andy. And I uh, had arranged this whole thing. And Bob goes, no, don't shut the coffin. <laughs> like, totally shut. Wow. I mean, leave it open a little bit, you know. So we, we bring him in. And, and Andy says, will you all rise? And, and the guy's going, what? He is bringing a dead person oh, in here to Bible study, yep. and uh, you know. And I said, guys, every one of us are going to be in this coffin, and, and when one, once you're in, you're not coming back out. And then Bob, you remember what Bob uh -huh. did? Yeah. He opens the lid. And he goes, "That's not true, Bert. You can come out." You <laughs> wow. know. And and we had, we had a whole hour discussion. Wow. 
about grieving and about death and about you know preparing to die and preparing to die well and so so yeah. James no pressure nah, but that's <laughs> that's a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah but James Santos great to have you on the show mm-hmm. you this is what you de- do day in and day out and, you know and working with families and working with people yes so welcome to the show thank you thank yeah. you to be I'm glad to be here it's uh, great to have you and uh, so uh, how in the world you, you've been a pastor now for how long? So I, was, I started as a youth minister. So I was actually talking to my wife about this this past week or so. Um, so 15, 16, I started doing youth ministry work. Yeah. Um, and then began uh, that journey and went to Bible college and then um, served as a lead pastor for about three and a half years and uh, went into uh, retail for a time. Uh, figuring out what God's call, next calling for me. And so worked at a retail store for, for about three and a half years and then went into hospice for four years. And now how I am. Did, how, did, how did you get into hospice? So hospice, so I had a, I had a friend um, at church uh, reach out to me and he knew that I was in between jobs. And he said, hey, James, there's a bereavement coordinator, coordinator position here at Southern Indiana at a hospice agency at Emeticis and thought about you, um, come on over and interview, got the interview and extended that position for me. So uh, stayed in hospice for about four years. No, just what did that look like? Kind of a day by day experience of working with hospice. You were the chaplain for hospice or how? So, how, so I was... started off as a bereavement coordinator and then my friend uh, at that time was uh, the main chaplain for the agency, but then he transitioned and became the hospital chaplain for Floyd Memorial in Southern Indiana. And so when he transitioned, then I also transitioned now as, a, as the uh, full-time hospice chaplain. And then someone else took my position in terms of bereavement coordinator at the agency. But um, so that's how it progressed. Started off as a bereavement coordinator, was under um, my friend's really mentorship, Rob Shetler, and then he transitioned to Floyd Memorial and I took his position. So, so what does that look like? Yeah. You, you know, you're the hospice chaplain, mm-hmm. you know, bereavement guy. What I mean, what do you do? So I worked with an interdisciplinary team. So it consists of nurses, um, uh, aids that would help um, patients, and we had social worker, and then we had volunteers. So I served as part of that team that would take care of these uh, these families or this or this particular patient. And so I would serve as that spiritual director or guide in, in any case when if, um, you know, that patient has any religious affiliation or spiritual background, um, I'm the guy who uh, explored or journeyed with that person. And so at times when a nurse can't be there for the patient spiritually, that's when a chaplain is asked. Um, but all the pieces in that interdisciplinary team visits the, the family. And we assess, you know, what are their, their physical needs, their emotional needs, and then their spiritual needs. And so that's where a chaplain comes into play um, to help with that and to explore um, where they need to discover peace or any resources they need um, in their terminal illness. So, so, so when, when a person enters hospice, I, di- I didn't know this for years mm-hmm. um, until I really became a pastor, mm-hmm. what hospice was really all about. But yeah. when you, when you, would you have a conversation with the patient about death? 
Absolutely. I mean, not, it may not be right off. Um, I mean, they, you know, obviously have been given the diagnosis that they have six months or less to live. Uh, it's an opportunity, I think, to, you know, just to discover them how their faith is comforting them at this time or will help them throughout, you know, um, the uh, successive days. So it's, 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 it's an opportunity to explore that. Now, some people and families think like once they bring in the chaplain, that's like just a few hours till death. And so we, we really stress from the beginning, no, this is to help with quality of life, especially if there are um, any unspokens or um, needed support during this. Because we, we believe, especially if they're faith-oriented or faith-centered, um, we want to uh, help that, uh, use that as a, as a resource you know, in time when there's terminal illness. Um, was, that, was that hard for you to talk with the patient about death? Yes, at, at most, because I think there's some patients who are still in denial, um, and then there are family members that are still in denial, mm. and, and how to navigate that with them and, and help them realize that, okay, there's a diagnosis, hospice has been called in, it's six months or less, how do we provide this best quality of care and quality of life for them, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But no, it, it is difficult um, when discussing death because um, they see that as the end of you know someone's life and how to navigate that and what will change and how will I, you know, um, you know, for you know, bear that when my loved one is 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 gone. Um, so a lot of I think fear, a lot of even guilt you know, mm. that accompanies with that. And a lot of shame, I think, is what compounds a lot of the d- difficulty when talking about death. All those things come into play. Yeah, because, they, you know, they maybe didn't, uh, they missed the boat in certain ways with family members or you know, loved ones. And mm-hmm. they, they now it's life is short. And how do you, how do you make that right? How do you address that? Right. Right. And are you coaching them kind of as many times, um, trying to get them to open up so that you can just have an, an honest discussion about life and about death? Absolutely. I, I think in those times, uh, especially when they've come to realize, like, again, the time is drawing near, uh, they begin to relax and, and, and kind of put their guards down and, and start processing and reflecting on what has been. So it's a lot of rewinding the tape, um, things that they wish they should have said. Um, and yeah, so it's, yeah, it's just one of those things where you're, you're navigating through that. Wow. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back in the next segment with James, and we're going to talk more about the grief process. Uh, he now works as a, a grief counselor for a corporate grief so company that has hired him to come in and say hey we want we need you to help walk through life and we always think of grief as someone died sometimes that you got a bad phone call that really uh, know that your life is not going to be easy for the next couple months or years or forever and how do you grieve well well we're going to talk about that on the next segment of solid steps radio welcome back to solid steps radio chad russell kurt Souter. we are uh, in our second segment, and we're talking uh, about grief. 
And if you don't want to grieve over your money, you need to go to l and Credit Union. I'm sorry, how do you segue grief to our sponsors? But anyway, so l and Credit Union, they are a local lender and they are more than just a lender of money. They are someone who wants to invest in your life and they want to be a partner and part of their mission statement is to build permanent relationships. So l and Credit Union is a great sponsor of our show and pillar in our community. And also Vision First Eye Care. Uh, they, I'm wearing contacts right now that are from Vision First because they've been taking care of my eyes for years and I'm blind as a bat. And thank goodness for Vision First. So uh, Vision First is not only a sponsor of the show, but they are also a sponsor of our community and they will sponsor you and invest in you. So Chad, um, when I think about grieving, mm-hmm. you, know, av- you know, having lost a wife, my present wife lost her husband, right. you know, and passing. Mm-hmm. But the grief can take a whole host of journeys. Right. And, uh, you know, James, I mean, this is your, you're the guy who, you know, deals with this regularly. But there's other forms of grief besides just losing your spouse or you're uh, losing, you know, a, a child or, you know, close relative. Talk about some of the other areas of grief that we as mankind go through. Right. And I, I think grief can be so... Um, define uh, narrowly, um, but I, I I like to understand grief as this normal, natural reaction to any kind of loss. And so this is, it can be a job loss. This could be a relationship that a, a person has had for a long time and then suddenly something happens, you know. Um, it could be pet loss. It could be even as uh, transitioning from a home and going overseas. I mean, even just this morning, I was talking to a neighbor. We have a neighbor who's moving to India and started tearing up as he was basically ready to, to leave and uh, move to, to India. So it's, 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 um, it's, there's various kinds of grief. And I think to understand that when you feel this, this significant loss, this significant emotional attachment to something that is important, that's valuable to you, when that is lost and you experience sadness, um, yeah, that, that's considered grief. And so in dealing with grief, um, and you, you've dealt with major kinds of grief, you know, helping people, you know, being the hospice, uh, you know, chaplain and helping people with grief. What's, I, I, can you think of a time when, um, when you see people, they are learning to grieve well, mm-hmm. and then maybe not so well. Absolutely. I think those who are grieving well are, are open and honest um, with where they're at. Um, and I think that even takes time. I mean, I think of a story uh, in New Salisbury, Indiana. First you know, time uh, to meet the family. And I could tell, even as I, I left my car and, and was walking towards their, their um, mobile home, parents, you could tell, have been up with their daughter. Their daughter um, signed up in hospice, uh, is dying of, of cancer. And I walk into the living room. There's the bedroom, a uh, bed, uh, hospital, uh, hospital bed provided. Everyone was around her, uh, you know, trying to care for her as best as they can and introduced myself, shared what, you know, I'm able to do. Got to pray with, with the daughter and some of the family members. Stepped out the mobile home ready to go back to the office. Um, the parents were still out 
And as I made eye contact with the mom, the mom locked, basically locked, uh, locked on me and, and started to walk towards me. And, and the first thing that he, uh, she asked is, Chaplain, how could God or why would God take away my, my last child? Um, and she had shared that uh, her first and second child died, one with, from car accident, I think one from drug addiction. And now third child is dying out of, of cancer. Why, why would God do that? Which, I mean, you know, Kurt, probably the hardest question to answer, and I think for anybody, a minister or a chaplain, is the why question. And I, I had to take the, a deep breath and even pray in my heart and say, God, I, I need your help. Um, but here's a mom who didn't allow, you know, denial or she was just, she was asking the tough question, took a deep breath, prayed. And I, 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 with, with all sincerity, I I said, I am so sorry that this has happened to you and is happening to you. And out came from my lips, these words, and I believe it was the Lord and um, scripture. I said to the mom, I want you to know that you are not the first person to ask the why question. Um, because I believe 2,000 years ago, Christ asked, asked that same question himself when he said, my God, my God, why mm-hmm. did you forsake me? And I, and I out again came these words that I, I believe your why is represented in Christ's why here. I don't have a a good answer for your why question, but I want you to know that I'm asking it with you in prayer. And the beautiful thing was that unlocked in her a lot of things that she wanted to share, like her dad was a Baptist minister, started going into her religious. And so what began as a hard question and still a hard question, but to be able to relate and say, I hear you and I'm with you, and I want you, you're not alone in asking that why question. Um, it opened up her to share more of her story and her daughter's story. And I think that's a mom who's, who did grief well because she didn't keep herself from asking those tough questions. But when it was necessary, she asked the why question. And to be, as I would say, when people are grieving, the best posture is to be heart with ears. Um, because that's the journey, I think, with people. It's not filling the air with many clever words or even a lot of Bible verses, which I'm not against Bible verses. Praise God for his word and his promises, but I think sometimes it's spoken in in the wrong place in the wrong time, and I think it can hurt people. Um, I think people want to know that you will be there with them. And you're not just throwing platitudes, um, dismissing their story. And for that mom, she she just needed she needed Jesus to say, "I'm I'm with you in that why." Yeah, I mean, I think I think what you're saying is probably the maybe the, one of the poorest things you could have done was give her a you know a Bible verse and say you know and and there's here's your answer right and. Um, yeah, I, I remember someone did that with me, and like, 
I mean, I you know, I didn't. I don't know if I rolled my eyes okay. in front of them, but I'll tell you what, I was rolling my eyes, you know, in my mind. Like, are you serious? Yeah, you're gonna give me a Bible verse right now, um, in the middle of deep, deep grief. Mm-hmm. You're gonna give me a Bible verse, and I, again, I'm, <laughs> I'm not against the Bible at all. I right, love the Bible, but. I remember I had a, we had a daughter pass away halfway through a pregnancy and, you know, that was our, I hope that was the worst thing that's ever happened to us. I hope it didn't get any worse, but there was a, a woman at church who knew, found out about this and, and she meant well. I wasn't there when she said this because I would have been the first person to get t- kicked out of your church for punching an old woman in your church. I was so angry when I heard her say this. I say this facetiously, but she said to my wife, I guess God didn't want you to have a daughter. Wow. And I cannot imagine there was evil coming from her of wanting to harm us she just didn't know what to say and she said what she thought was best and i'm i still to this day go what were you thinking but i I think you should hit her (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't there when it was said but when my wife and this was right before or after church yeah we we just don't know what to say i and, and i you know there's times where I just want to go Bruce Lee on on some people and um (laughs) you know and it is and you're like Lord, you know, help them. Um, yeah. yeah, but I think everybody, I think, is coming from a good intention, right. posture. But then I think, like you said, it's more about them than about the person. I, I well, we th- think about Job. His friends were doing a great job, yes, until they started talking. That's right. <laughs> they were just with him, and I think I love. I wrote that down. A heart with ears. Man, we need to be listening more than we need to be talking with people. Right? Yes. I mean, that's what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, yeah I mean, so yeah as you have opportunity to coach people who are you know going to be grieving or uh, going going to be um, connected to those who are going to be grieving yeah I, i'm sure you're communicating hey hey don't just slap some verse right right yes and i i you know i always hope you know hold to these um important Tenants, I, you know, when, when someone is grieving, they need that space to talk. Mm. Um, you know, and I've been actually studying a lot of lamentations. It's really fascinating because it gets lost in the middle of the Bible. But, you know, with even the book of Lamentations and how that book is depicted, you know, it's in poetry form. You know, the one grieving, which was, is the woman character in in the book of Lamentation. It took even that woman character a while to get to a point to even start talking and expressing that grief. And I think there is a time where there is that moment of silence, and then there's that mother, like I shared earlier, who is just coming out with those hard questions. You just never know, but making space for them is very important in in grief. So we're gonna take a break. We'll come back with James and talk more about the grief process, how we Uh, walk through it with people we love how do we walk through it ourselves and uh, as we talk about maybe grief not necessarily on the just the front end but also on the back end and and after the funeral is over the grief process doesn't stop and how long does it take and what are the ways to walk through it we're going to talk about all of those things here on solid steps radio Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. If you're just joining us, we are talking today about grief. And uh, the last two segments, we've been talking to James Santos about that. Uh, he is a grief counselor and uh, corporate counselor uh, with uh, 
uh, an organization that just helps their employees grieve through different phases of their life. And uh, if you're grieving over your septic system, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just so bad. But yes, uh, Frank Enterprises, they are a, a, a corporation that's been around for 20 plus years taking care of septic systems. And if you have a septic system or lane, lane let me try this again, land drainage issues with water, they help you do that. The, they're the water drainage folks. And uh, Frank Enterprises does that. And also Bright Star Care, they're a local uh, folks that help people with due transitions. And we're talking about grief today with James. And, and these, the company helps people with uh, Alzheimer's patients, people who need physical care on a daily basis, who want to live independently, but they need some dependence uh, from outside help. That's what Bright Star Care does. They're a sponsor of our show, and they do an incredible um, outreach to the community, and you'll be very pleased you work with them. You know, uh, James, I think, uh, you know, we in America, I, I, when we think about this whole grieving thing and preparing to die, and w- we don't talk about this. We don't. We, we, we just don't very much. Right. And I don't think we do a very good job of, of uh, preparing ourselves and preparing our family and um, you've been able to very in the middle of multiple families over the years invest your life into helping people prepare to die, uh, helping people prepare to grieve and try to do that well. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to our listeners about um, that whole process. Yeah. You know, I. So three things that come to mind, and this is not original for me, but it's helpful just as I think of how to prepare to die well and to journey through grief, and that is talk, tears, and time. Talk, tears, and time, I think, is very important. And when that happens, because, you know, you hear the the saying, time heals all, you know, wounds. And it's not particularly what time does it, it's what you do with that talk and with those tears that will determine how time will go. And you know, and I keep that in mind because when, when, when you are preparing to die, you need to make space or give space to, uh, to give yourself that emotional and honest talk with others. And that's why I think those who are, are grieving well or preparing to die, such as I think of uh, this lady up in Salem, Indiana, a dear lady who loves Je- who loved Jesus. One of the things that was pretty um, apparent and and clear right off the bat when I even made my first visit is how real she was and realistic she was, knowing that death was around the corner, and she was not afraid to bring up hard conversations such as hard relationships. Um, people that she's still working to reconcile with. Um, I mean, weekly, she had friends come over to basically celebrate with her or spend time with her. I mean, every Sunday after church, her rhythm was to invite people, you know, was her way. and And she's terminal. She was, yeah, terminal. Terminal knowing that in six months or less, she will... Um, die from her cancer. Um, but what, I mean, it, 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 it catapulted her to, to seek out friends, close friends, safe, safe friends, family. So that, that's one is when, when one is, is doing it well, they're, they're reaching and seeking out people, community to be with her. And, and she, uh, and she, not, not just um, to be with them, but I'm sure she was probably crying with them. Absolutely. Yep. 
In yep. one sense, she was saying goodbye to them. Goodbye. Um, sharing, reflecting on memories. Um, what blessed her, what encouraged her as, as, as a woman. She was a long-time ter- ter- um, uh, labor and delivery nurse. Many came out to visit her. And that was what uh, really blessed me when I would make visits. She would always share about those particular friends that visit her, new friends. And she shared her story. Um, those are again tough, those that were celebratory. Um, she was intentional about that. She was intentional about things that she was learning in scripture. She was open about that. Um, and again, throughout that, it, it, it was, it was there's times where she allowed herself to cry. You know, she was, she was very open to that. So again, it, it involved talk, it involved tears, and then it also, you know, involved time. Because when it came to her funeral, her it was one of those, you know, when, when I'm, you know, being, you know, when I'm in, in funerals or celebrations, one of the things that I, that I look for when, you know, I see as healthy memorial service is when you can both um, celebrate but also cry at the same time. Um, versus I think there's some funerals that we've been to where it's just overly serious. There's not a whole lot of, you know, um, laughing. But then there's some funeral service where it just seems there's just a lot more laugh. You know, there's a lot of laughter, but yet there's not a lot of serious. But to balance that, mm. because I think what it does, it encompasses both what's suffering in the world, but also rejoicing. And I think that's what grief does. I think it, it enlarges the capacity within us to ba- basically both hold uh, grief, suffering, but also rejoicing. I think that's what grief does. Yeah, yeah, my good friend um, Slim says it's it's balancing. Been a pastor for twenty five plus years, balancing sorrow, and and grief and joy simultaneously. Right, and and trying to do that as best we can. Because I think when you avoid and minimize grief, you're really short circuiting um, what God has for you to to grow as as an, a human being. Um, and I think being as a human, you know, growing as a human being and flourishing and thriving and, and even as a, a Christian who's, who's stepping into living that abundant life God has given us is to both be able to sit um, and recognize and acknowledge our grief, but also be able to rejoice. And so often I think we would rather, you know, just focusing on the good things. But as you know, it, 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 it comes off... Um, I, I think it can come off very, uh, you know, uh, dismissive and, and not really uh, recognizing the, the realities of life because realities of life is both suffering and pain, but also rejoicing and hope. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, thinking again, the Salem, Indiana lady and, and others that I think about, whether it's families that I've been with at Clark Memorial Hospital where there is tears, but then there's singing hymns, right, in the room, and it's packed. I mean, there's been rooms, Kurt, where I'll go in it, and it's even hard to make it to the bedside because there's just family inside and then outside. You know, that's, that's a person who's done it well, is that their friends show up, and they invite friends to be part of that um, what a, the journey. What, what, a, um, what a blessing. Mm-hmm. What a heritage. Mm-hmm. I, when you're describing this lady, this this nurse yes. who invited these friends in to talk, to cry, to laugh, to share, to you know, I mean, what a 
rich blessing that she left those friends and her family with. Right. Um, that's yeah. that's a gift. It is. It is a gift because because the opposite of not doing it well is isolating yourself and saying I can do this on my own, when in reality it, it you can't. Um, I, I think God has designed this life to do life together, um, even to the point of journeying um, up to death. Uh, I think God has so given us relationships to help us all the way up to the end, um, whether that's friends, family, our relationship obviously with God, but I think God shows himself very strong and mighty through the company of people. Um, open, honest talk vulnerable tears, but also time. And, but it seems that, again, my experience in hospice and in still doing grief work, uh, community is a vital and important component when you go through um, grief or in preparation to death. Um, you, can't, you can't do it alone. And actually, that's where you get in trouble um, because that's where you slip into depression, isolation for the loneliness, and that's where complex and complicated grief comes along. And, and most of them can say is, I have nobody to grieve with. Um, and you know, loneliness is one of those deep things, realities that people suffer when they're going through grief. And so I, as a grief counselor, try to assess right off the beginning and say, who, who are your friends? Who, are your commu- who is your community? Do you have a church? Do you have a club? You know, that you that you talk that you talk about these absolutely. issues absolutely well, I, you know James I we have to help our people understand listeners I, I hope you hear this mm-hmm. that you have to be in relationship with others that you not just talk about you know sports and weather and those kinds of things but we talk about the things of of death mm-hmm. I, I think it, when when the psalmist says Lord teach us to number our days yes I think in part He's, he's, we, we've got to talk about these mm. types of things. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, and, and even then I was thinking about Jesus on a time of the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, he, he invited friends. Yes. Now, again, they fell asleep, but Jesus didn't come to his friend just once, but twice and three times to say, you know, stay with me. Pray with me. Pray with me. And, and this is the Son of God. This is Jesus himself who can say that he, he got this, but yet he needed friends to be with him at a vulnerable hour. So we're going to take a break and come back on our fourth and final segment to talk about grief. And there's no way we can unpack grief in 44 minutes, but uh, we're doing a great job here. Just James is doing a great job. Just kind of give us a really fresh perspective. And I got, a, I got three or four questions here. If we don't get to, I want to ask, but we're going to talk about the, the grief process again. And, and, and maybe how do we prepare for ourselves for grief other people for grief what if you don't have time to prepare for grief mm-hmm. what if you don't have what if you get the call someone has passed and you don't get that chance we're going to talk a little bit about what grief looks like on that side of it on solid steps radio welcome back to our fourth and final segment today of solid steps radio this is chad russell kurt satter we're talking about grief not exactly a topic that everyone wants to talk about but as you're going to find out in the past three segments and this fourth segment it actually helps to talk about grief before it happens, when the time does happen. And we're here with, uh, I say grief, grief expert, James Santos. That's what he does. He helps people walk through the grief process. But uh, we want to thank our sponsors, Dan Hart Financial. Uh, they help people invest their money for um, 
for the long haul, for the long term. And uh, just like you want to be wise with your money for the future, Dan Hartz helps you be wise with your money. And again, we want to remember to thank Ellen and Credit Union, who has been a pillar in our community and also a sponsor of our show. Thank them for, for investing in us, and we hope that you would invest in those two folks. So, James, um, you know, I, I, when I think about I, I don't want to talk about grief. I, mm-hmm. this, I, it, I don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you tell a person regarding that yeah well again there's a place in time but what i encourage them is that if they do not talk about grief it will stay down there Um, and and what i have come to understand about grief grief is going to come out somewhere um, and somehow whether it's an unhealthy way um, but grief has to come up some way. And so either you're going to choose some, you know, a way that's going to be healthy and that is in conversation or something that you know, can be hurtful and destructive to loved ones. But to be able to acknowledge, yes, it's hard, it's painful, it's not desirable, but it has to come up because it's going to still remain in there. Um, and I've come to, yes, understand that the soul will get what it wants. And if it wants to come out, it's going to come out one way or the other. Um, so, you know, those immediate and sudden, you know, accidents like a car accident, um, you know, and there is that initial shock, you know, that numbness. And we understand that, right, for the first couple of days and even hours, they're just in shock. They're just in disbelief. But then they they eventually start talking about what's painful, um, and it's all in process. And, and typically, in those you know, immediate uh, accidents or you know more sudden, uh, it, it's it's really raw. It's like being punched in the gut, and mm-hmm. so it will require you know in the in the beginning more of just holding space for them. Um, it's 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 allowing them to. Uh, acknowledge that numbness Um, because I think the important thing with grief is to know where you're at even if you can articulate it's hard for me to talk about this at least we know where we're at versus denying it or avoiding it Um, and as I always say you're saying avoiding is is not the right answer no but to be able to say you know what I'm tempted to avoid this James but I want to talk about that Right. Because uh, I always say it's like going to a, a, a new mall and you go to probably the first thing you go to is a, is a mall directory. And the very the most important marker in a mall, a new mall, is where it says where you're at. Right. Because before you can know where you're you know, where you're headed, you have to know where you're at. And the same thing with grief, because it feels like a wilderness. It feels like you don't know what to do. Your world is just you know turned upside down. But to be able to acknowledge and say, you know, this is painful. I don't want to talk about it but I know eventually I have to. That, that gives us a marker mm-hmm. versus someone who says, I just don't want to talk about it. Um, but it's more of that avoidance. It's too painful. Um, so you're sitting, acknowledging, embracing that, okay, this is where I'm at, but it gives us kind of a direction to move forward. Wow. James, I, I heard years ago that, um, and this is a new concept for me. I, I was like, oh, wow, I never thought of that. But it's the term pre-mourn right talk to our listeners about that yeah pre-mourn I I think there's a healthy way of talking death where we're not avoiding it we're not dismissing it but when the opportunity comes whether you're at home or you're with your kids or with your wife I think being able to talk about death 
in a healthy way and being open about it and, and sharing when someone significant or close to you um, is, I think, is, is very healthy. And, and my kids are always um, asking me of what I've done in a day and to be able to say to them, you know, today, you know, guys, we we had someone who passed away at work and it was tough. You know, she was young. Um, she died of a heart condition and I'm really sad. Can we pray for them? And, you know, they'll ask questions and, you know, what happened. But I think there's something healthy in that where we're not denying it. You're not afraid of it, but you're just open. And to lead your kids and even my wife, you know, we, we talk pretty openly and candidly about um, our, our, our deaths. And, um, and so one of the things that we, we try to do, and, and again, I, did, I think it is pre-mourning. It's, it's a way to prepare the soul, but also I think to acknowledge the realities of life and that there are just things in life that we do not like. It's painful, but um, it will hurt us more down the road if we are not able to make space for it today. Um, and so pre-mourn is a way of saying, I'm gonna hold space, I'm gonna make space for what's even difficult, and you know, death is you know a difficult topic. But um, you know, we learn as we as we talk, as we we share. I'm I'm reminded in the Old Testament when Isaac was about ready to die, and he, you know, he brings his sons in, and he's mm-hmm. he's going to talk with them, right? And he's going to bless them, and he's going to have a conversation with them before he dies. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, it was a it was a great comfort to me when Jacob dies mm-hmm. and his son Joseph who was basically the head of Egypt mm-hmm. and it, it took weeks and weeks of, of kind of the grieving process before the actual burial uh, takes place mm-hmm. and it, you know, it was kind of a cultural thing but it was encouraging to me how long it took f- of the grieving process mm-hmm. and sometimes you know people think well hey it's it's been you know it's been five weeks right you know i was like uh it takes longer than that it does and you can't put a time limit in terms of uh, where a person's at with grief and i again i i love the beautiful example of jesus because jesus even prepared his disciples when he was about to die and he did it well to to the to the end i mean had a meal with them right sharing that this would happen even when the disciples didn't know uh, and and both guys and gals they they experience grief in different ways. And I think that the temptation for guys is to stuff it, avoid it, minimize it, be stoic about it. And I think ladies are more apt to be more open about that and to make it more as it is, you know? And so that's a temptation for ladies sometimes to um, um, talk too much about it and not have it about. And, and I think there's there's definitely temptations for guys and gals, but to be able to talk about it healthy in a healthy way um, to give space for it, um, I think it's, it's very important, you know, when journeying through grief and loss. You know, um, I was just with a widower, and I said, hey, has any of your close friends, mm-hmm. have they asked you about Debbie? Mm-hmm. Have you been able to talk about yeah. Debbie? And he said, no. Mm-hmm. I said, so we're having lunch together. And I said, okay. Yeah. We're going to talk about Debbie, unless you adamantly say, I, I, "Today's not the the day," and then that's fine. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "No, that's that's okay." Yeah. And I said to him, "What do you miss most? Yeah. What do you miss most about Debbie?" And um, and I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but it was the tears that you talked about earlier, mm-hmm. and the tears came. But he talked and he talked about Debbie, and he and he cried 
but it was such a good talk. It, it was such good tears. Yes. Um, and it was it was so healthy. Yeah. And I think it's why just to invite men uh, not to be afraid of tears, you know, and not to be afraid of grief because the opportunity to see again our hearts, our soul enlarge, you know, that's that's the fruit I think of paying attention to our grief and making space to it. And again, there is pain, there is something intimidating about death and, and grief, but, but the opportunity and, and, and the gift that you get uh, far, far outweighs, you know, uh, minimizing it. And so and I pray that this is an invitation, you know, for men to, to um, that you can face grief and you can face loss um, uh, with confidence, but also courage. Because anytime I, I, we talk about grief or death, it's, it's, it's pretty courageous stuff. It is. I mean, it's it's stepping. I mean, it is. It's it takes a lot of courage. Yeah, James, I can't believe it, but our hour is up, and uh, this has been so fruitful and thank such. You. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your heart and your wisdom and your experiences. And uh, mm-hmm. would you um, just really appreciate you coming in? But would you pray for us guys that we would we'd step into this, even if we're young, uh, we're all going to experience it. Death is a part of life. It is, and uh, God wants us to make the most of every opportunity even right now. So would you pray for us? Absolutely. God, our Father, we thank you that you are a God who comforts us and grants us peace that surpasses all understanding. And we know, God, that there are people even at this moment that is grieving. But I pray, dear God, that they would know that you are near and that your nearness is their good and you draw uh, close to their broken hearts, their heartache, and their pain, and you don't minimize it, but you invite us to um, be with you. And so pray, Father, for courage and strength for both men and women, um, for children to know that uh, death does not get the final say, um, but life in Jesus does. And so we know that is our hope, uh, the resurrection that we have in Christ. And so we rest in that today, and we hope in that today, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, James. You're welcome. Well, grief, again, is, is a process. Uh, grief is dying as part of life. And uh, if we ignore an aspect of your life for your entire life, it's going to come back to bite you. Mm-hmm. And if you ignore the death aspect of life your entire life, whether it's financially ignore it, whether it's relationally ignore it, whether your soul ignores it, it's just going to come back and, and bite you. So preparing for it is not fun. It's not easy. But boy, um, uh, we, it just goes to show we need a Savior, not just once, but every day mm-hmm. and all the time. So uh, we want to thank James for coming in and talking about grief. And uh, maybe this will be an opportunity to just to, uh, and there was some resources. Your, yep. web, your Facebook page is what? Yes, Cornerstone Care. Um, is my Facebook page. Okay. Yeah. And you mentioned a few books real quick. Grief, uh, grief.com is a great resource. A mm-hmm. Grace Disguised, um, A Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis. And uh, you recommended the great, uh, the Grief Recovery Handbook. Right. By uh, John James and Russell Friedman is a great resource. So use those. If you don't remember what we just said and you can't write it down, go to our Facebook page, listen to the podcast, and you can get all that information. And we thank you so much. We hope you're blessed. Pass this along to someone else who needs to hear it on Solid Steps Radio.